Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. South. It's been quite a while since we could say that about the Indianapolis Colts, but we are saying it. Heading into week eight of the 2019 season, I'm Kevin Bowen. Across the way, Joey Molinaro enjoying a stress-free Sunday with the Steelers not having to play. Uh, for Colts fans out there, man, they, uh, I'll tell you what, I think about this football team six weeks into the season, man, every, it sounded like John Gruden there, um, Every single game just comes out of the wire. No shortage of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, yes, obviously the fans want to see them win, but, man, at least you're entertained. Yeah, they were entertained throughout. Roof was open, so the taxpayers' dollars is going Boom. to something. Great you know, point. Once Great a point. year. Yeah, you we get, saw. You can get that in, so it was good. I think we did the over-under earlier in the year, one and a half times the roof open. So we're at one. We'll see if three of the next four weeks at home, if there's another nice fall afternoon. Mm. Um, right, one o'clock kick, kick got flexed to one o'clock. It would right. be four twenty-five, so maybe this Sunday. Who knows? Who knows? But a huge, huge win for the Colts goes without saying. And uh, a lot of things that we liked, we'll definitely hit on. It was kind of hard for me to find things I didn't like, Joey. I kind of had to scratch a little bit yeah. through the box score, which usually there's a couple things that stand out. But um, uh, I thought it was a great performance by the Colts. Some really good Twitter questions. Scroll through those, so we'll hit on those a little bit later. Uh, but before we get into things I like, things I didn't like. Joey, what really stands out to me about yesterday is this. The win itself stands for so many things. And like I said, first time you're alone atop the AFC South in nearly four years. And, and we, we, we talked all last week about the ramifications uh-huh. that just a win would have. Any sort of, no matter how you got it, a win over the Texans was massive in week seven. The Colts got that done. That's great. But this win to me even means a little bit more in how you got it done. It wasn't Marlon Mack rushing for 100 and whatever, 35 yards, and you know, like you did in the playoff game down there. You won a game left-handed, and I know that's a phrase that you often hear in, in sports. You know, more of a popular one this year. I feel like I've heard it more. Is it kind of getting in there? It's, it's taking. Should the place, I go away from it? It's taking the place of QB one and RPO. Okay. Yeah. How, is yeah. there any other phrase and not say winning left-handed? Just say well, you won in a different way than you usually do. My dad's a lefty, so he might not like that. But um, you proved to the Texans, to the rest of the teams on your schedule, to other teams in the NFL, that you aren't just this 1960s football team that, that re- wins via ground and pound. You can beat a team in another way. And I thought the Colts did that with Jacoby Brissett, who we'll talk a lot about on, on, on today's podcast. And um, I, I just think that's so vital over the course of a 16-game season, when you're playing the best teams in the NFL, you are going to be taken away from your strength. That's what good teams do. They make you beat you in other ways. Could the Colts do that? Especially offensively. And they did that yesterday. Um, you know, I think I had someone tweet at me. I think it was Aaron Aaron Redding who, who, who tweets at me a lot. Kind of like, is this a game plan 
victory? Like, is this that week-to-week sort of involvement of you aren't the same team every week. You can beat teams in different ways, and I, I, I think Aaron was spot on with that. And that's, again, a question that I had about this football team, and they were able to get it done yesterday with their run game not being just as supportive as it usually is. Um, amazing stat that the Colts didn't have a single first down running the football yesterday. Wow. Like, don't you just fall into one, like, QB sneak on a third and one or a scramble for a first down? Or, I mean, hell, Marlon Mack in a first, like, not one rush for a first down. Yeah, I think he had 23 first downs, 18 via the pass, five via the idiotic behavior from the visiting sideline via penalty. Right. Which continues to be a norm <laughs> for uh, for opposing teams this season. But, yeah, it's the first time in um, since 2006 the Colts have won a game without getting a first down via the run. So, obviously, it's been quite some time. And, um, you know, we, we, we talked a lot last week, Joey, about taking advantage of the Texans' weaknesses, which – like, on the surface, that sounds like such a blah statement. Like, no shit, Kevin. Of course you want to take advantage of another team's weaknesses. But when you had the injuries that Houston did at right tackle and in the secondary, you needed to attack those areas. Because it goes back to what we've said so many times about every week is a different challenge. A game plan should evolve week to week. You should attack teams in different ways. Yes, you have this core of where your strength comes from, and that's in the in the trenches. But you've got to be able to beat teams in multiple ways. And the Colts took full advantage of a very beat-up Texan secondary. And they were down to their third-string right tackle, Joey. Man. Showed. You or I could have played right, right tackle. Homeboy, the backup, Roderick Johnson, he tripped and fell one time. Jabal mm-hmm. Sheard's like, all right, that's a sack. I mean, it was pathetic. Once the Texans, which, again, Houston doesn't have a lot of great depth on that offensive line to begin with. Um, so, yeah, man, it was. I'm proud of you for not sending out a Houston, we have a problem, and oh it's boy. your right tackle. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's. thank you for not doing yeah, that. Yeah, that would have been a layup right there. For I think sure. our boy Charlie Clifford might have been all, <laughs> been all, all over that. And oh, yeah. I love I love Charlie Clifford, so yeah. I feel like I can say that. But how about this, man? Last 16 regular season games. Colts are thirteen and three. Getting back to those old Colts ways. Thirteen and three. I think it's tied for the best record with obviously the old nemesis out there in Foxborough. But um, that's damn good football. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who you're playing, what the schedule looks like. That is very very impressive for the Annapolis Colts. And you know, this time last year we we're talking about a one and five football team. And I mean, can you imagine the mock drafts we probably were breaking down? A year ago. Oh, yeah, they were loaded. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, we probably were just littered with top five draft picks of like. We were already looking at, pa- you were looking at pass rushers. Yeah, I'm sure oh, I yeah. was looking at, you know, wide receivers and running backs. Right. and We were debating that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now here you are. You're four and two. You're in this jumbled mix in the AFC behind New England. And, you know, you play four pitiful teams. I shouldn't say Pittsburgh's pitiful. Sorry. Um, you play four teams you're going to be favored against. Mm-hmm. Some pitiful teams in that mix, Miami uh, being on the in Denver. But um, you've got a chance to enter the final month of the season, or I, I, I should say like enter Thanksgiving and on with a chance at a bye. 
And like with Andrew Luck here, one and five last year. And I don't want this to sound like an indictment of, of of Andrew Luck. Honestly, it's more of a compliment for what the Colts have around the quarterback right now. Yeah, they they've got a football team around their quarterback, and that's the best we've seen in in years. And I'm talking, we're into the Peyton Manning era. Well, per usual on Monday, Kevin, we're going to start with things that you like after a win. So let's start with Jacoby. Going into the game, it was, hey, a little bit more of a vertical passing game. Need the passing game to step up and four touchdowns and no picks later. What, what an effort. You yeah. know, the, he showed yesterday characteristics that make me start to believe, okay, the Colts see a franchise quarterback. And again, I've always been, you know, I've, I've been very public with that. I've always kind of been skeptical of just saying, all right, you know, is he ever going to be a top 10 quarterback or is he going to be? Because I, I feel like if you have the chance to get a top 10 quarterback. You got to go out there and, and, and try and get that. But yesterday, he was unbelievable. And, you know, Frank Reich said that like all week long, they kind of knew it was all going to be on Jacoby Brissett's shoulders. Houston played virtually all man coverage against Kansas City. You knew they were going to try and commit tons of resources to taking away the run game, which they did. You know, as we said, no first downs via the rush. What Marlon Mack end up with? 44. 18 for 44. Mm. That's Trent. That, that, that's, that, those are Uncle Trent days, you know. Yeah. 2.4 carry. And that's Houston. That's Houston saying, and like we talked about last week, it's not like the Texans had a great start to the year stopping the run. But they clearly were going to say, all right, beat us left-handed, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was like, all right, I will. You know, and, and he he did a great job, I thought, of just standing in the pocket, taking some hits. I mean, J.J. Watt hit him six times. I thought Watt was past, you know, was past his prime, man. He didn't look past his prime yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I thought the offensive line did enough in terms of they protected – long enough at times, and Jacoby had to hang in the pocket and, and take a few shots, but that allowed you to hit those crossers, the shallow routes. Jacoby called them after the game, the runaway routes. And again, get guys moving you know, horizontally and just have them beat guys in man coverage. Because I think right now, what we've learned about the Colts wideouts through the first kind of six weeks they're going to struggle to beat teams, I think, in man coverage vertically. Like, they don't create a whole lot of separation down the field. So that means you got to do other things to get them open. And that's where we saw, again, the crossers and the shallows and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, I thought a stat that really stood out to me, Joey, was coming into Sunday, the Colts were 31st in the NFL. So that's second to last with passing plays of more than 20 yards. Nine. Just nine through the first five weeks of the season. They had six on Sunday. Six passing plays of over 20 yards. Um, and they had two 19-yarders. You know, so, I mean, they, they were, you know. On the edge, yeah. You know, huge chunk plays, which had been missing for this football team. And, you know, Frank Reich mentioned at, at halftime to, um, was it Melanie Collins? I don't know. I was so caught up with her pink jacket that I, I maybe didn't catch her name. Yeah. Um, she was saying that, you know, Frank Reich told her at halftime, we need to attack a banged up secondary. And again, that goes back to attacking their weakness. I mean, they didn't have Bradley Roby. Jonathan Joseph gets hurt second quarter, I want to say. Uh, number 35, Crossan, I think was his name. He got hurt. And that if that game would have gone in overtime, homeboy Philip Gaines, he got carted off. 
they would have had. That's why I thought to myself, if Houston scores late, they're going to go for two. Because they got no shots. They, they got no corners. Um. So, yeah, it, it was take advantage of that banged-up secondary, and Brissett did that. Uh, 26 of 39 for 326 and four touchdowns. ESPN had those next-gen stats. He was 22 of 26 from a clean pocket. I mean, just tremendous. Um, you know, when and that goes back to his accuracy. I thought just being better. I mean, even some deep ball, like a couple of those deep crossers he had to Pascal and Hilton. I mean, hell, Hilton had that drop where he probably lost it in the sun. I mean, that was a great ball where Watt just smokes Jacoby Brissett right, right in the midsection. And, um, you know, I thought Frank Reich and Jacoby both had some interesting quotes after the game. Of course, Reich is always right. Reich is Jacoby's biggest cheerleader, which you just, if you're a Colts fan, you just absolutely got to love that from right. your head coach. Reich says about Jacoby's performance it says that he's legit. He's the man. We believe that from day one. We've never wavered on our conviction, on our belief in Jacoby. But we all know, and he knew it too, you still have to prove it. You have to come in here and put the offense on your back literally for this game and make the plays that he made to win this game. And he did that today and did it as well as he could do it. Frank Reich's spot on there. And Jacoby kind of, it was funny how he kind of downplayed that, of course. He did. Afterwards. He yeah. did, um, which again is typical Jacoby. He doesn't want to hear any questions about replacing Andrew Locke or like, you know, you are now the man. But Frank Reich's words only mean so much. At the end of the day, the NFL, the beauty of this league is you have to prove it week in and week out. And Jacoby Brissett did that yesterday. I, I thought it was his finest performance as a pro. Um, Jacoby's quote, which it was, I felt bad for Judy Batista from NFL.com, who's a really well, well-respected well national reporter. She's asking Jacoby, you know, some of the big picture Andrew Luck type questions. And as we know here locally, Jacoby doesn't, doesn't give you much no. in those settings. Uh, but he did give a little bit. He goes, it's been a journey. It's been fun. The learning, the constant ways of finding ways to get better. A day like today doesn't make me the man. It just makes us more balanced. And I think we proved today that we can throw the ball. I think that quote is so spot on. A day like today doesn't make me the man. Yes, Jacoby's got to prove this now, you know, several more times. But it does make them more balanced, and it does prove to the rest of the league that the Colts can do this. They are capable of doing that. So, Jacoby Brissett, you deserve a game ball. Um, you 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 certainly silenced me, I guess, if you want to go there, or if anyone cares about that. Um, I mean, you weren't a critic. You were just like, no, hey, no, no, we got to no. see more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I think that's fair. You know, I, and he he gave he gave you more. Um, the Texan said, "You have to make us beat us." And Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett said, all right, I will. And he did. One of the things that helps beat the Texans, per usual, is T.Y. Hilton. But in a situation like yesterday, it was important to see other dudes support and help T.Y. Hilton because obviously the Texans – well, no, I can't say obviously they know because apparently they leave him open all the time. <laughs> but they do know that T.Y. T.Y. is their guy. And you saw Ebron. You saw Zach Paschal really step up. Dudes being dudes. Um, boy, Ebron and Pascal were huge, huge. Can we get a cl- clarification? You, I'm sure you watched the game back already. Yeah, it, it, it is Pascal, right? It's not Pascal. Trent Green was going like artist there, was he? Like a yeah. Him and Gumble were both saying yeah. Pascal. 
I know, I know. I was I was nervous. I was like, Who but but it is Pascal. Yes, I'm ninety nine percent sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Gumble, he's such a tough listen, man. He had some comment yesterday that was just. Ugh. Anyways, um, first before we get into Pascal and and Ebron Joey, I found it interesting that like yeah, Justin Reed, Houston safety, went to Stanford. Really, mm-hmm. really intelligent guy. That's the caveat you have to throw in when talking about every Stanford player. <laughs> um, he's like, we're gonna do some things differently. We're gonna change some things up against T. Y. Hilton. So I'm sitting up there, you know, way up there, section nine thousand inside mm-hmm. of Lucas Stadium, and I'm looking down the first series. I'm like, who the hell's twenty nine? I like look at my flip card. I'm like Philip Gaines. He's kind of following Ty around the first play, follows him around the second play. Ty goes in the slot. Gaines goes in the slot. I'm like, what in the Philip Gaines? I'm like, I remember Philip Gaines visiting the Colts in free agency a few years ago. This is a journeyman, yeah, journeyman cornerback, and he shadowed Ty Hilton the whole game. I do, there was not. I mean, I, there was some safety over the top, but it was a lot of just hey, we're going man across the board. And this guy named Philip Gaines is going to be on man coverage against T.Y. Hilton. It was very interesting. It's kind of like uh, a couple of years ago when the Colts had uh, Melvin, uh, Rashawn Melvin with Antonio well, Brown. I, yeah, but I mean, I don't even know if Philip Gaines has Rashawn Melvin's resume. Like, right. you know, at least Melvin was like a bigger guy. You felt like that could kind of jam, you know, A.B. a little bit, which obviously, you know, didn't really work. Um or did it work? No, it did, but it did, yeah, he it just had work. made that one play. But that's, you know, it was similar to like, what the hell? Oh, okay. Right. And again, it would be one thing if like Gaines was like 6'1", 200 pounds, and he's like trying to be physical T.Y. at the line of scrimmage constantly, but it wasn't even that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it was just a, it, it was a bit of a head scratcher, which you watch Bill O'Brien coach teams, you tend to have a lot of head scratching moments in that game. Um, and T.Y. had six catches for 74 yards. Um uh, on 11 targets, and T.Y., you know, took kind of blame for not having even a bigger day, you know. He had the drop. Um, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I'm thinking for myself, Colts fans have got to love T.Y.'s outing yesterday from this standpoint. If the Texans believe that Philip Gaines is going to be able to guard him again down there in that meeting in T.Y. Hilton Stadium, mm-hmm. <laughs> boy. Another 190-yard see- performance. Oh, my yeah. God. I can already see it right now, Thursday night football, yeah. and T.Y.'s the talk of <laughs> Friday morning first take or whatever those shows are um so yeah i mean when hilton doesn't give you like a crazy 100 yard day marlon max giving you 2.4 carry and you still score 30 points that's pascal that's ebron uh pascal six catches on seven targets for um for 106 yards whenever i think about pascal joey i I, there's so many things that kind of pop into my head and i'd say the first thing that really pops into my head well I guess I got to go threefold. Okay, Frank Reich. Remember last year when Pascal ran that st- uh, that kind of um, stutter route in in the Houston uh-huh. meeting yep. for the touchdown, and Frank Reich was like, "That's a route you put on the resume and you send it to every coaching clinic around, you know, high school, college, whatever, and say that's how you run the stutter route. That's was, high praise." Yeah. Chris Ballard, before training camp opens up last year, I think I think you were there actually. Moving day. You know Ballard's, you know, just kind of, you know, talking just off the uh, off the cuff, and all of a sudden he goes on a Zach Pascal rant for like thirty seconds, talking about how unselfish he was, one of his favorite guys, and I'm like, man, I mean, I got Zach Pascal maybe on the outside of the fifty three man roster right mm-hmm. now, so I'm like, I might need to reassess some of my thinking. 
And then as training camp moves along, it's kind of like, Reese Fountain's going to make the team. And I always kind of hesitate with that. I'm kind of like, guys, you got to think special teams with Pascal. And you got to think trust. There's a trust factor there as a fifth or sixth wideout. Right. And when Nick Sirianni said that Zach Pascal, he told Pascal this, that Sirianni told him, I hope my son, Jacob Sirianni, grows up and plays football like you. Wow. I mean, shit, like, what more do you want? The head coach says you should be on a resume film for running a route. The GM's going out of his way to talk about you the day before training camp starts. And now the offensive coordinator says, I want my son to play like you. Just need Ursay or Ballard to say he wants one of his daughters to marry a guy <laughs> I like was going to say, Pascal. right? I mean, geez. Yeah, I mean, okay. Ursay's going to have you in the ring of honor along with Dwight Freeney here in a few weeks. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just incredible, incredible praise for Zach Pascal, And, I mean, is he the, this team's number two wideout right now? After yesterday, how can you say he's not? You know? Uh, just so reliable, so consistent. He got credited with the uh, with the safety, I think. He was the closest guy to anger when he ran out of the end zone. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Holy cow. What, what that was a weird hell? moment what in the, the game. What the hell were the Texans yeah. doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, get in that later. Uh, and, and then Ebron, before we move on, the hurdle – the one-handed catch, that'll be on any highlight reel, as it should. And that's Eric Ebron stepping up when you need him to step up. Five targets, four catches. We haven't seen that this season from Ebron. And, you know, Jacoby Brissett, and it was kind of felt bad for Andrew Walker. Andrew Walker asks Jacoby Brissett about Eric Ebron after the game. He's like, all you media guys have been calling him out. I'm thinking, well, Andrew Walker probably isn't calling him out. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I have, and deservedly so. I mean, I say, there's been what? drops. But, um. Annoying. Kudos to Eric Ebron. I mean, the hurdle, the one-handed grab. Let, let's just let's focus a little bit more on the on the one-handed grab, Joey. That's a third and one. You convert in the red zone there on third and one. Houston's on the other end of the field that they can't convert at all. That's the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. Those red zone plays of like. Again, let's look past the highlight catch. It's a touchdown on third and one. That is, yes, w- w- would the Colts have probably gone for it? 100%. Yeah, but still, I mean, maybe you don't get it. You got stuffed on fourth and one earlier in the game. So, Eric Ebron, um, that was a professional performance. Need, need to see more of it, but that was you stepping up. And, uh, boy, he was, ooh, did he love running into the middle of the field during that challenge. He was yeah. He was soaking that up, man. Uh, and I think it says, you know, a lot about Jacoby Brissett and Frank Reich, too, of just kind of having the faith two weeks after that, or I guess three weeks after, but that that terrible performance against Oakland, you know? Last to, time to, he was in this building. Right. You know? you know, to just have the faith to come back, still target him, and be like, hey, we're going to trust in you again. Show us. And you need him right now. With the inconsistent play that you're getting a wide out from a guy like Deion Kane. You need Eric Ebron to step up for you. He gives you something different than Jack Doyle. When he's on the field, you know what's coming. It's probably going to be a pass. 85's got to step up. He did yesterday. Job well done. Flipping over to the defense, Kevin. Um, A little bit of, you know, it got a little sketchy there in the fourth quarter, but they made the plays when they had to. You know, it definitely wasn't the most perfect defensive performance, and I didn't expect that going up against Deshaun Watson, that offense. But you delivered in the critical moments so damn well. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think we talked about on Thursday's podcast, Joey, but I don't know if it received as much of attention as it should have coming into the game. Houston entered Sunday, the number one team in the league in the red zone, 71% conversion. The number one team in football on third down, 51%. They were 4 of 12 on third down. That's 33%, 18% less than they usually are. They were 2 of 5 in the red zone. That's 40%, which is 31% less than normal. Like, that's the game. That's massive. And those are Frank Reich's words after. You know, we can talk about Jacoby Brissett and all of this stuff, which is great. But what your defense did in the red zone the first half, man, I just think that 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 that's that set the tone. And um I don't know about you. I really didn't like the call on Deshaun Watson calling out a sack. Uh yeah, it was uh, It's it was... quarterback safety, and obviously you as a Steelers fans will probably be you know, well, did you see Mason Rudolph get hit a few weeks ago? But, like, when a defensive lineman has Deshaun Watson by the ankle and when a defensive lineman has Phillip Rivers by the ankle, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, but it, it's it, it's different rules. Mm-hmm. Like, Deshaun Watson can escape from that. Phillip Rivers is just like, hey, I'm going to lose in the fourth quarter and come back anyways. True. Like, it's just, I don't know. But, I mean, it was, it was a great break. Um, and I thought the Colts played a lot more zone. Than they did against Kansas City, but certainly Pierre Desir, job well done to him. And look, I mean Hopkins got his. I mean hell, what God, he, he's a good football player. Um, nine catches for one hundred and six for Hopkins on twelve targets. So I'm not all, I'm not really commending Pierre Desir for like oh my God blanket coverage you eliminated him like you did last year's meetings, but the fact that Pierre Desir played in the game which he had never done before, missing practice all week and playing in the game. And then you allowed him, his presence allowed you then to use the shadow role, which allowed you to bring more blitzing, more pressure at Deshaun Watson. That wins you the football game. Mm -hmm. And, like, Hopkins didn't go off early on. I think he had four catches in the first half. Nice, but, like, he didn't go crazy early in that game. And early on, clearly, you had Shaq Taylor, who played more than Quincy Wilson, which was, again, that was very interesting. Um, you had Shaq Taylor guarding Hopkins in the slot early in that game. At one point, you kind of had Kari Willis and Pierre Desir bracketing Watson via via stack. So, like, early on, when Hopkins goes in the slot, that's where the shadow roll goes away. So you know Houston's going to do that. But once Will Fuller exits, talk about a guy made of glass. Once Will Fuller leaves that game, similar to Sammy Watkins leaving the game against Kansas City, then all of a sudden Pierre Desir starts falling Hopkins around everywhere. Mm. And that just allowed the Colts to do so many different things. And Hopkins, again, he made some big-time plays, but in the critical moments, he didn't really deliver for them. There was a – I don't know if anyone was watching. I I got home just in time to catch – um, Tony Dungy with the old uh, clicker in his hand, he broke down the fourth and one attempt where Denico Autry just kind of bull rushed that rookie guard into Watson, and Watson had the incompletion. I think it was early fourth quarter. Yeah. And when I first watched the play at Lucas Oil Stadium, I was like, man, what a play by Autry. And then Dungy breaks it down beautifully and saying, no, 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 watch this. Anthony Walker's over Nick Martin, the the center. How, you see all those Nick Martin jerseys in the crowd yesterday? 
I did not. Chatard's finest. Good, good showing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, good. man, they had about thirty or forty of them from that wild crew. Um, Anthony Walker's over Nick Martin, showing blitz. And remember last year in overtime at Lucas Oil Stadium, it's Hopkins out of the slot over the middle beating Darius Leonard for that first down on the crosser. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar play. Hopkins is located in the slot to the left of, of Watson. Boom. It, it's the quick slant, and Walker runs out right to that spot. And Kiki Kuti is wide open on the bottom of the screen. But because Walker's there and takes away Hopkins, which is the first read, and now Autry's in his face, Watson can't do anything. So, again, um, job del- job well done by Pierre Desir to gut it out and play in that game. And uh, critical moments, obviously, we can't we can't move on and and unless we talk about Darius Leonard. I mean that 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 pick. You know there aren't many linebackers in this league that can make that play, and that was clean, man. I mean he got yeah. that hand underneath it. There was no indecision about that, and there were some nerve wracking moments in that fourth quarter for sure. But I thought what the defense allowed you to do because your offense was sputtering in that fourth quarter. Houston, outside of that drive that started from their own four-yard line, they never started a drive down less than seven with the ball in that second half. I thought if it ever got to that point, oh, God, you know, like it's going to happen. Kind of one of those uh, one of those Falcons thing, Falcons, you know, plays or drives. But, yeah, that the defense in the critical moments. It it says a lot about what that unit has done the last two weeks. You were dominant, really, against Kansas City throughout the game, but I would say what stands out to me against the Texans, the best third-down team, the best red-zone team, and you eliminated them. Speaking of the Falcons, it looked like the offense, when we were getting here to things that you didn't like, it looked in the fourth quarter like the I literally said that in my living room. I said, is this like a Falcons Super Bowl type thing? Like, they're not running the ball, they can't convert. What the hell is going on? Oh, gosh, you went there, 28-3. <laughs> I mean, oh, of course, yeah, the lead wasn't that, but I was like, yeah. okay, you're up 12, <laughs> you just pick them off, should be game, and it's not. It's not very often I scratch my head at at, at Frank Reich. I mean, I, I think I've said it so many times in this podcast, what I think of Frank Reich as a play caller, as, as a head coach in general. I saw someone tweet out, if Frank Reich was coaching the Texans yesterday, the Texans would have won by 24. Oh, it's just, I mean, some of those penalties, it, let me go on a little rant about Bill O'Brien. The penalties are incredible, mm-hmm. just the stupidity of some of those penalties. What the hell was he doing calling the timeout and then running that safety? I, I, I don't have, like, as big of a gripe with the whole taking the safety, but that play ends with, like, let me find it here in my, in, in my game book. All right, so Watson sacked by Houston with um, 3.23 to go. Three minutes and 23 seconds. You've got all three timeouts. Mm-hmm. You have contingency plans, obviously, for all of this. If you're special teams coach or you're Bill O'Brien, and before that third and seven, you're thinking, okay, there's a chance that we might not pick this up. We're going to punt it. We're going to take a safety. You grab Brian Anger and that punt team, and you say, you sprint on the field, you hike it at 30 seconds on the play clock, and you run out of the end zone. Or you take a timeout right away. He waits till 2.44 to take a timeout. That is 
16 plus 23 is 37. That is 37 wasted seconds. And then what happens when Brian Anger takes the punt? He freaking he dilly dallies yeah, back in the end zone like he's hoping that the you know they're, they're still doing beer calls in the fourth quarter. What what was he doing? Was he gonna fake it? I have no idea. I, I, that's what I thought at first because he was running off to the right. side. I was like, is he throwing this? And I forget. Was I might have been Pascal right there? There was some Colt right there, kind of like, wait, are you really gonna run? Yeah. <laughs> like, should I run after you? And then finally, he runs out of the end zone. And again, just waste like. It is amazing to me the for how many analytics gurus out there in the NFL and how you hear all about coaches staying at complexes until midnight to game plan. Like, just the incompetency you see from head coaches week in and week out is just baffling to me. Mm-hmm. So there's my Bill O'Brien rant. But cool, Frank Reich, great third quarter. You come out there. Two big touchdown drives. You take the 28-16 to 16 lead, and now you have this balance, Joey. Run some clock, go for the jugular. You know, it, 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 it's this balance that I think is difficult for a head coach and a play caller to find. But Frank Reich went full jugular. Like, he didn't even think about running that clock. So you're up 28-16. You have five drives in the fourth quarter. One was a kneel down, so let's throw that out. So you had four real drives in the fourth quarter. 13 plays on those four drives. So they only had one first down, mm-hmm. which is obviously terrible. 13 plays, four runs, nine passes, five incompletions. Your drives lasted 53 seconds, 50 seconds, two minutes and 29, and a minute. You got to find a better balance there. Like, I, I don't have that big of an issue with the nine passes, but, like, are there some high-percentage throws you can make so you avoid the five incompletions, you know? Like, are there – is it something where you're in Jacoby Brissett's ear of saying, all right, if it's wide open, you throw it, but you have the safety valve in Marlon Mack or Hines or Doyle. Like, you have that just simple check down that it's can run get, clock. get you two yards – and run clock. Yeah. That was the issue that I had is this offense, four drives in the fourth quarter, one first down. You didn't finish. You put so much pressure on your on your defense, which, look, the offense was tremendous. I mean, 28 points, yeah. four for four in the red zone through the first three quarters. That is outstanding. But uh, I, I just thought you you got to find a better balance there late in the game. What were those fourth quarter stats one more time? The, the 52nd? The, the, so you had four drives. Yeah. Those four drives lasted 53 seconds, which was three and out, 50 seconds, three and out, 229 was where you got the one first down, and then the last drive was a minute long, three and out. What the hell's going on out here? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I, that's what I was saying in my living room, dude. Dude, you were right there, and great great work by you, right on cue there. I was wondering when you were you. I'm thinking, why the hell is this? He... I'm trying to add a little bit of soundboard to our yeah, to our show are. here. Great job there, Julian uh, Monner on his game on this Monday morning, if coming off the any, bye week for you Steelers. Need any, you know, we have a little bit of football sounds. I felt I felt that one way up here. <laughs> you know, little John Madden. Madden and Pat Summerall have eight lines that they say the whole video game, and that and that that was one of the lines. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Dude, you were right there with all my mentions. People were like, what is he doing? Yeah. 
And, and I think people wanted a more run the damn ball. I'm not going full there because, trust me, I saw the injuries that Houston had in their secondary as well. But it's just, uh, just find a little better balance For sure. with that. Um, one right quote before we move on. So I think Stephen Holder asked him specifically about the was it did he throw the Hilton screen? I think he threw the Hilton screen on third down. That was the final third down of the game, which again was pretty much a giveaway. Um Reich specifically said, I was really torn there. That whole series we went run, run, pass. We usually are going to be a little bit more aggressive there and throw it down the field and probably throw it twice. I don't care. Just trust the guys. And that's what we did when we played Houston before in that situation in the last regular season meeting. I don't know. It was a gut feeling. The defense was playing well. Make them burn their timeouts and trust our defense. Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton in a rhythm down there in Houston to me is a little bit different than throwing a screen to T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. You know, on 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 Sunday, I just I get it, but I'm just I'm just not fully there for sure. One more thing you didn't like before we get into Twitter questions, Kevin, and I think it's probably starting to be a little bit bordering on concern, maybe, uh, is is another quiet game from Deion Kane. We we have these expectations for the Kane train hype. Yeah. And I, I, I was on it. Yeah, everybody was. And so far, just haven't been able to find the sticks. Thirty two snaps, Joey, for Deion Kane on Sunday. You know, was Dan, he targeted? Dan Klecko had as many targets there you go. as Deion Kane. I was going to say. Zero. Blue. I mean, you know, insert Victor Oladipo banging the anvil. I mean, it, anybody. Um, Is this more so him just not getting open? Um, so, it, it, it's a great question. Um, I think there's a bit of route running where there might not be just a full... Uh, Zach Pascal runs routes a little bit better than Deion Kane. That's that's for one. Secondly, I'm just not sure if QB1 trusts Deion Kane fully. Which look, you, you aren't gonna trust, you know, all of all of um um all of your receivers the same, but you know, I think Reich has mentioned like when you go back and watch the all twenty two film, you've got to make sure that even when you don't get the football, you're running your routes soundly. You're doing what you should be doing, and that's going to earn a quarterback's trust. And right now, you look at the targets, there's just not the same amount of trust there with Deion Kane. And he's still playing a lot of snaps. I mean, 32 snaps is a notable amount. He's not Ashton Doolin, you know, playing time. Like, he's playing, I, I bet if you looked, last five games, I bet he's playing over 50, 50% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. So since since Funches went, went down, so since the opener, when Kane had those two big catches in that game, He's played five games, which adds up to 199 snaps. It's a lot of snaps in five games. He has 10 targets and two catches. Not good. Throwing a pass interference penalty or two, yes, but yeah. it's just it's just not the sort of production. And again, I go back to what I said earlier. This is a wideout group that is struggling vertically to create separation. We saw the horizontal. Separation created, but vertically, Kane, you feel like, has the traits to give you some of that. And clearly, it just hasn't been there. Um, so I think it comes down to route running and just a little bit of a, a, a trust factor right now with Deion Kane. But I, I, I'm i shocked by it, Joey. Um, 
And I think it's a bigger reason why when I see people tweet at me like, hey, should the Colts trade for a wideout? I don't just kind of laugh at those you know, questions. It's kind of yeah. like, well, I mean, boy, Paris Campbell's been hurt for how many weeks now? And Deion Cain's like, there's validity there. Can you rely on, on Pascal? You know, like, when does it, you know, is Zach Pascal Dontrell Inman? Like, is he going to have that point where right. it's like, all right, yeah, okay. you know, you get to Kansas City in the playoff game and it's like, all right, the Dontrell Inman hype train kind of runs out of steam. And, um, boy, you would, you would really like for And I get it. He's young. He's six weeks into this. He's coming off the ACL. But for how many snaps he's playing, I expect more in the production department. All right, bro. It's a uh, winner, winner Twitter Monday morning. Nice. for it? Yes, yes, yes. Cool. All right, let's start with a guy, Cody Felger. How about them picks, he says. Your impressions of the rookies yesterday? Boy, Kari Willis played a lot, man. Um, I thought Bobby Okariki would see a little bit more time or even EJ Speed against running quarterbacks. Man, Rock you seen, Joey. I know when he's been targeted, the numbers probably won't look pretty. He he was so close to making a play on that Kenny Stills deep ball, which again I know closely. Oh, he was really close. Like, what, what does that matter? Um, I don't know. Kind of a ho hum day for the rookies, unless I'm forgetting somebody that really played well. Shaq Taylor played a lot over Quincy Wilson. Um, surprised by that, but I I didn't notice anything too too standoutish about the rookies. I mean, Willis continues to be a guy that I think will be a starter. From this here's from Country Boy Eddie. At Eddie Country, he wants to know, was yesterday a sign of Pascal's improvement or was it more of a scheme slash defender's attention elsewhere? Well, I think definitely a little bit of both. But like I said, there weren't a whole lot of resources committed to Hilton. But still, I mean, Pascal won some man coverage. And, you know, Frank Reich is scheming some things up specifically for him. You know, we we saw it on the shovel pass. And Pascal's made some plays with the the ball in his hands as well. So, uh, you know, Zach Pascal's a young guy. I think he's... 24, 25, like he's not that, that old. Um, so, yeah. He How is 24 he? years old. He'll be 25 a week before Christmas. So, yeah, I mean, that's young, you know. that That's a guy that should develop and should show some some uh, some improvement. And, you know, this is a, a guy that the Colts signed in, I want to say it was like June of last offseason. And, boy, talk about, a, talk about an unsung hero and one of the better kind yeah. of uh, right up there with you know a guy like kind of Kenny Moore, you know, Pierre Desir, kind of these right. waiver claim signings that we probably glossed over at the time. We definitely glossed over at the time. From at Smooth Smith, we all know Andrew Luck was better than Jacoby Brissett, but how much better? Brissett looks pretty darn good in this Reich-led system. Yeah, he does look good. Um, he um, he is a guy that protects the football really well. Um. He's tough. I mean, J.J. Watt hit him six times. That was probably the most percent has been hit all year, I would think, without looking into it. Um, I, I just thought he hung in there and delivered some important balls, some down the field. You know, he had the crosser to Hilton. He had the crosser to uh, Pascal. I mean, some beautiful balls. Like I said earlier, the, the, the Hilton drop, he gets smoked there, and that ball's right on the money. I mean, those are big-time throws from Jacoby Brissett. If we're going to talk about maybe the next step, it's kind of handling blitzes and finding production against blitzes and not just kind of making the safe play. And I know there's a bit of a fine line with that. Yeah. You know, Deshaun Watson, you know, threw a pick against that. But still, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks in this league that will will make you pay when you bring bring that pressure. 
But yeah, I mean, for what Frank Reich is asking him to do, and yesterday was a step forward in the vertical stuff, Jacoby Brissett's done a really, really nice job. From Drew Rush, where would you rank Frank and the coach of the year sweepstakes? Oh, I would have him really high up there. Um, Sean Payton. Mm Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan. Yep. Am I missing anybody? Matt Maybe LaFleur. Maybe John Harbaugh. Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Maybe John Harbaugh so far. Yeah. Damned Ravens. But I think you consider what Reich. Man, the Saints look good, man, without Breeze. And I think it's tough to lose your Five quarterback in season. Yeah. Obviously, it's tough to lose your franchise quarterback. Like, like, like yeah. the Colts lost <laughs> right, it, right, too. Right. I'm not undermining that. But in season, it is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say any list that you have three or four names on it, Frank Reich's not on it, uh, you're not good at your job. Peter Pax wants to know, is Willis, Kari Willis, firmly entrenched as a starter after playing all defensive snaps yesterday? Boy, Peter Pax is on it. Don't know if you saw the snap counts I tweeted out earlier, Joey. You had four defensive players play every snap. Rock Yassin, Kari Willis, Darius Leonard, Pierre Desir. Kari hmm. Willis played all 65 snaps. Clayton Gathers, the, the starter next to him, 37 defensive snaps, 28 less than Kari Willis. George Odom played 28. So clearly there's a rotation there, obviously, 28 for Odom. Gathers plays 37. That's that, that adds up to 65. Um, you know, we are seeing the Colts do something that I didn't know if they would do. We, I've been clamoring for it. I think Gathers should start over, or uh, I think Willis should start over Gathers. But they clearly value what they have in that number three and four safety right now, at least on the depth chart. Willis and Odom. I mean, Odom only played nine snaps last nine snaps less than um, than Gathers. So, yes, I mean it's looking like Kyle Willis will be a full time starter, assuming Malik Hooker gets back this Sunday. From Casey with a K, is there a solution to getting a more consistent run game, or is it just a matter of numbers when defenses load up in the box? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, Casey. Um, you know, Frank Reich, and I think a lot of coaches kind of admit, like, if you really want to take away the run, you can do that. Maybe I'm seeing something, Joey. I thought there were a few run lanes for Marlon Mack yesterday. I just didn't think he okay. was as sharp as he usually is. Um, I didn't think the O-line, I mean, the O-line wasn't great, and there were a lot of one-on-ones that they lost, but I didn't think they were like 2.4 yards per carry bad, which was what Mack ended up with. Um, so, yes, I think schematically there are some things you can do differently. Do you try to find things more in the perimeter? Do you try and do, you know, a little bit more kind of not necessarily read option stuff, but just a little bit jet sweepish type of stuff to stretch the defense, and then you can gash them up the middle? But that's going to be a dilemma the Colts are going to face the rest of the season. I mean, just because Jacoby Brissett did what he did yesterday doesn't mean teams are going to alter their blueprint against the Colts. I think what teams are going to hope for that they aren't missing four corners mm-hmm. and that their corners can handle a little bit more man coverage against you know a Colts wideout group that is going to have to prove themselves week in and week out. From Brett Stockglasner, if he keeps playing like he has the last few weeks, what's the chances that we see Vinny back again next year? Ooh. Brett from St. Louis going a little free agency talk on us. Yeah. Joey, I think we talked about on last week's podcast, this is not necessarily a Colts decision on Vinny, but it's a Vinny decision on himself. You know, is is 24 years in the NFL enough? Adam Vinatieri is going to turn 47 years old in December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, 
Maybe shooting for 50. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a crazy number. Hey, he's kicked the ball really well. Um, you know, he he's um he, he's kicked it really well since that uh that poor start and I think it's just it's going to come down to both sides. Do the Colts feel like it's time to get younger at kicker and want more of a long-term answer while also realizing that they run the risk of losing you know, a guy that they really, really feel is extremely reliable and such a great leader in that locker room. And then Vinny, does he want to play another season? I mean, it's both sides, more so than any other free agent the Colts have next year. It is both sides of it. From Joshua Sutton, is Brissett in the MVP conversation? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, Frank Reich is in the Coach of the Year conversation. I mean, if you're making an MVP list of four or five guys, Jacoby Brissett's not on that, right? I mean, talking most valuable player. I mean, the Colts have won a lot of games without Jacoby Brissett doing what he did yesterday. Let's think. Wilson, Rodgers, um, Lamar Jackson. Oh, God. I, I, take your AFC North hat off. Hat no, off. But it's just like 8 of 20, dude. Like I just Do you see just, him running the football? I don't care, dude. It's no. I'm I think just, he was 9 of 20. Don't 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 sell him short on that. Uh, I, I don't know. What about Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, coming into yesterday Watson was up there, you know. Does that take Yeah, a hit wa- right yeah, well, now? I mean Watson was definitely up there. Uh, Is there some MVP on San Francisco or New England? I mean, they're undefeated. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy G's not lighting it up. The defense together as a whole, it's not like Bosa's, you know, has 10 sacks right, already right, or anything right. like that. I mean, it's crazy to think about New England, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Such great starts for all these teams. And you don't sit here and think any of those three teams have, have an MVP. Yeah. I guess after yesterday, six and one, six touchdowns, like Rodgers probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rodgers and Wilson, I think, are on any list. Um no, I, I I think for Jacoby Brissett to be a legit like okay, he's a top five candidate. You got you got to do a little bit more than just um, what he did yesterday. All right, from Jake Wardell. Sorry about Lamar. I just it, you know it's just like a doesn't he have like he's got an incredible amount of rushing yards to start the year. I, yeah, I know, but I just are you a, are you a guy it. that says your quarterback's got to throw? I mean, I just don't buy it, dude. Like we've seen this, we've seen this, like. He's only been in the league for two years, and they led him to the playoffs last year. Nah, I'm not buying it. Uh, from Jake Wardell, chances the Colts retain Lamar Jackson's both. averaging 6.9 yards per carry, 576 rushing yards, three touchdowns. He's throwing 63%. I, I bet Brissett's not much better than that. No, when you throw the ball 15 times a game, it doesn't take many. You know, doesn't take much to be a, <laughs> a 63%. Percentage is a, is a percentage, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, you throw it 15 times, you're more likely to complete more of the passes than if you throw it 35. The thing, <laughs> the thing about Brissett is the touchdown to interception ratio is great. I mean, right up there with anyone else in the yeah. league. If you get deeper into like completion percentage, rating, yards per attempt, those numbers which I think are better evaluations on a quarterback than just, like, passing yards or completions. Like, when the Colts run it as much as they run it, those passing yards aren't going to be that up there. So when you get into completion percentage and passer rating, like, yards per attempt sorts of numbers, they aren't MVP-like. So I guess that just has to evolve for him to, you know, get into that consideration. All right, from Jake Wardell, chances the Colts retain both coordinators this offseason? Oh, I mean, I would say better than not. I mean, you 
you're still a long ways away from. I mean, Nick Sirianni's never had a head coaching interview, and Matt Eberflus has had one. So, I mean, didn't two weeks ago we talk about firing Matt, Matt Eberflus? Weren't we fielding questions on that? We were, yes. Yeah, I, I'm Jake. Let's. I think let's pump the brakes a little bit on the Colts potentially losing one or even both. Um, and Sirianni's not going to leave. I can't see Sirianni leaving here just to be a play caller somewhere. I can't. I, I would think he'd only leave here to be a head coach. Um, so, yeah. From Laura, what were the snap counts for Wilson against the Texans? The inability of Wilson to cement himself into the third cornerback spot has been disappointing, but not surprising this year. Yeah. He says, after your kind words, she says, sorry about this. She says, after your kind words about me asking good questions, I'm feeling some pressure here. So Laura asks good questions. Thanks for chiming in. She does. She does. And she li- lived up to it again. So she wants to know Wilson's snap counts. Yes. 20. 20 of 65. Shaq Taylor played 32 of 65. Roland Milligan played 27 of 65. Shaq Taylor and Roland Milligan um, had combined to play like probably 15 defensive snaps in their NFL career. Coming into Sunday, and they both outsnap Quincy Wilson. Did we go back to like, is it a practice thing? I mean, we hear that from Eberflus so much. Yeah. I, I, how I'm much s- do they do? Like, I, that's my thing is like, how much does it week, on a weekly basis, how much really does a team are they able to do and show in a practice setting? Like, it's not training camp anymore. And like, my thing is always this you hear so much about game planning. Like, when you game plan on Tuesday night and then you go out to practice on Wednesday and you implement your your game plan. So you're already ruling him out of the game plan on Tuesday? Or do you go onto the practice field Wednesday and Thursday and say, all right, both of you guys go play in the nickel or the dime. We'll see whoever practices better. And then by Friday, you make the final decision. I don't know. It's just it's, it's interesting to me. But I was... I was surprised to see Milligan and Shaq Taylor outsnap Quincy Wilson that much. You know, if we are going to talk about a disappointing season so far um, defensively, Quincy Wilson would be him and him and Tyquan Lewis. You know, for for different reasons, would be atop that list. Uh, official Yolo Swag wants to know: Is it me, or is every team we face so undisciplined with penalties? It's crazy. Every team, every team. I think the Texans were like the third or fourth team to have double digit penalties this year. And as much as we want to make fun of the other teams, credit Frank Reich's team for not being yep. that that's stupid. True. Uh, from Zach Palmer, do you put any stock into Ballard building this team, defense specifically, to compete with the Texans, Ravens, and Chiefs, and not so much the Raiders' style of ball? Oh, Zach, I don't know if I totally follow that question. What is the Raiders style uh, of ball? Do the Raiders have a style? <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I think when Chris Ballard's been asked to build teams in other ways, I think he's pretty steadfast and not trying to build it like another team he just wants to build it like he believes is right uh from malik indy fan malik malik indy fan yes do you think the afc teams are starting to worry about the colts team after beating casey and houston because they should you know i think it's a good question uh malik it's something to where i think the colts strike fear in their opponents just because they do things so differently than a lot of their opponents that would be worrisome. I don't know if the personnel for Indianapolis scares you as much as maybe other teams' personnel that are currently 4-2 and two or, you know, sitting atop a division. But I think it's just how they're able to beat you. It's a lot different than a lot of teams. That would be worrisome to me. From, let's see, who do we got here? Matt. It's from Matt. From an end zone view, it appeared Mack left a lot of yards on the field yesterday trying to bounce some runs instead of cutting it up and taking three to four yards. You mentioned that earlier. Was the lack of run game due to this, 
or more so the O-line and tight end blocking failures. Yeah, Matt, I mean, you, you and I were seeing the same thing, and obviously from an end zone view, you have a great look at it. Um, certainly the O-line wasn't perfect, but I, I felt like there were some lanes at times, and, and we just didn't see Marlon Mack find those as much as he's found them early in the year. From, let's see, Aaron, what's up with Marcus Hunt? He was a very good player for the Colts last year, but hasn't been much of a factor at all this year. I actually thought Hunt played better yesterday than he had played early in the year. Um, well, they only credit him with one tackle. I, I just noted noticed him in the backfield a little bit more. Al-Kadeen Muhammad played a whole lot in the old Kamoko Ture role. Yep. And the Colts went with a lot of three defensive linemen, which is a big difference from that. Thursday's podcast, Joey, I want to hit a little bit more on trade deadline stuff, but because... This question kind of has me thinking that. For sure. Um, and Ben Banigou didn't play as much as I thought either. From Zach, is it time for us to start considering Zach Pascal wide receiver number two? He is kind of that ultimate junkyard dog role. I mean, I, I guess. I think playing time will still be really balanced. I don't think targets will all of a sudden be in abundance for Pascal. And then, you know, of course you're going to have Devin Funches back here in the next uh, three-ish weeks. You got to think Campbell. You know what happens when he comes back. I mean, Pascal's so reliable, but you'd like to get other guys involved, namely Campbell and Kane, and certainly Funches when he gets back. From Toxophilix at Toxophilix is Justin Houston right that Jacoby Brissett is a game changer, not a game manager? Should we revise our estimate of JB ceiling upwards, or is it still too early to say? I think it's still too early to say. You know, game changer, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go fully there yet. Game manager, I also think it just has an incredibly negative connotation to it. Um, but, man, yesterday he was much more of a game changer than he was a game manager. Texan said, hey, man, come beat us. And Jacoby Brissett was like, all right, don't mind if I do. From Andrew, how concerned were you with the way the Colts handled the clock in the fourth quarter? I thought they let the Texans back in the game by abandoning the run game, continually running out of bounds, and stopping the clock by throwing the ball. I thought it was just a little concerning. And, again, I like Frank Reich as a play caller a lot. You know, game manager, I I really haven't had too many things to disagree with, but um, but still, you know, um. You just would have liked to have seen a little bit better balance there. From Arcadius, with the pace that the Colts and Jacoby are on, how good of a chance does Jacoby have of making the Pro Bowl? Uh, probably not great, to be honest with you. I mean, the Pro Bowl is such a, <laughs> such a popularity vote. I mean, who are the AFC quarterbacks? Brady, duh. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson, duh. Patrick Mahomes, duh, right? And then Lamar as Jackson of, would as be of, the fourth. As I of, mean, As of right now. I'm sorry to say that, but it's... It, it's the Pro Bowl, people. I mean, maybe he'll get in if you know the Colts don't make the Super Bowl and someone else makes it, but the Pro Bowl is such a popular popularity concert. From Zach, if the Colts would have had the first pick in the 2018 draft, they still pick Nelson. Also, how big will Nelson's contract be when his rookie contract ends? <laughs> if they had the first pick, would they still pick Nelson? Uh, I don't think you're picking a guard number one overall. It's crazy, to, you know, as much as he's done for yeah. you since. You're obviously trading back at one over. I mean, I don't know. If they had to stay at one, would they have taken Barkley? Or would, they have, would Chubb have been too yeah, high? Yeah, I think it would have been too high. You know, it's so easy they to say now. Of course there. you take Nelson at one. I mean, no one's taking the guard one overall. What was the other question? How much is Nelson going to make? Yep. Uh, insert Zach Martin money times whatever. I mean, yeah, he's going to be the highest paid guard in NFL history. From Colts Law, the Colts will be favored over their next four games, but do you think they will be favored in their next seven? 
Oh, boy. Uh, let me pull that schedule. At Houston, do you think they'll be favored then? I mean, that's so. I mean, that's, that's depending over a month on away. how. Yeah, depending on how Houston goes over this next five or six weeks. All right, I'm on, I'm on pull up their schedule. So they're six and a half point favorites. I saw Sunday against Denver. <laughs> that seems low. <laughs> Denver looks terrible. At Pittsburgh, home to Miami, home to Jacksonville. At Houston, home to Tennessee. At Tampa Bay, that's their next seven. At Houston's the only one I could see them being an underdog, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh will be Pittsburgh will probably be like four ish. Yeah. Who's Pittsburgh got this week? Miami Monday Night Football. Oh, so bye week. <laughs> um. So the Colts get them on a short week. That's good for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, at Houston's the only one I got, I could see here over the next seven. Uh, from Jeff. About ten years ago, under the Dungy, we got out of. Hold on. Under Dungy, we got our fans fired up doing the crunk. Seems like the NFL is more lenient on celebrations. I would love to have it back. Thoughts? Oh, I missed the crunk. Remember that? The whole kickoff team slaying? Is, is that what that is? That wasn't a celebration. It was just the kickoff, right? I think. Maybe I'm wrong. It seems like the NFL bans a lot of that stuff. But somehow we still do the family photo celebration after every play that's made. Dude. <laughs> I think it's an NFL thing. Or do you think the Colts do it more than anybody else? I mean, I'm not talking. No, I'm, I'm talking NFL. I'm yeah. not talking just about the Colts. Right, right, right. I saw Luke Rhodes got in it yesterday. How about the Matt Overton jersey proposal? We, we, we had an engagement at the game in a Matt Overton jersey. The most Indiana thing ever? <laughs> was she wearing a Pat McAfee jersey too? Uh, the most Indiana thing ever was Gumble coming back from a break and they're showing Connor Prairie and, you know, <laughs> Indiana people coming out of a cornfield. I'm like, there's other things in our state, people. He's He was probably more interested in that than he was in right. the game. Like, you know, let me go churn some butter at halftime. From Aaron, do you believe Eberflus should send Darius Leonard and Kenny Moore when he comes back on more blitzes based on how successful they've been doing so? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I am all I am team blitz, um, especially, you know, when you're without Ture and just you're a little bit worried about what you got on the D-line. From Kit, what did Deion Kane say about Jacoby's mother? I mean, the dude didn't even look at him. <laughs> uh, Kit, it's a fair question, man. Again, I, I just go back to I think there's a, just a little bit of a – not on the same page there, clearly, because you play 199 snaps in five games, you'd expect more than 10 targets and two catches. <laughs> What do you say about this? just pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. That was a good, Kit. Yeah. From Scotty, has Ebron redeemed himself on being re-signed? Oh, oh boy. Scotty, come on now. One game. Let's let's pump the brakes. Nice positive step, and that's what we said. Eric Ebron's got to show up these final two and a half months. Two and a half months, you know, not two and a half drives or what, what whatever. Right. Like, consistency. That's been the biggest thing with Eric Ebron. It's, it's not flashes. We know the flashes are there. It's consistency. From Chicota, I know the win is the most important thing, but if you guys don't talk about that stiff arm on the podcast tomorrow, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Is he talking to Kenny Still, Leonard? Leonard. Oh yeah. The Kenny Stills. Yeah. I thought they blew him dead. On that man, that was disrespectful. That was the old. That's so, that's so memeable. Like yes, it's so, so like you know me sliding into a girl's DMs. <laughs> her. And then, you know, you're the Kenny Stills and Darius Leonard is the girl or whatever. 
Hundred percent for sure. That 100%, was crazy. Hundred percent. I, I think even the Colts might might use that meme. You know, of like if they win the division, us versus the AFC ah, South. Nice. Hey, good on the Colts. That was uh, the 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 post they put out last night about the maniac with SpongeBob. Yes, that was very that was good. Did you see the maniac hat? Picture? Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, that SpongeBob clip that was yeah. great. Very well done by Colts Productions. All right, from Matt T. This is gonna piss off a lot of fans. Oh boy. Um. Staff stats might not fully back this up. I believe Jacoby is a closer to a game manager than game breaker. Closer to a game manager than game breaker. Luck was a game breaker. It seems Brissett is very intimidated by the long ball. I believe the accurate long ball separates good from great. I like Jacoby. Just don't think he is near elite talent yet. Your thoughts? Gosh. Of all the weeks to receive that question. I know. Um, boy, the one true deep ball I thought he threw yesterday was right on the money to Hilton. Right. Uh, I mean, Matt, you know, I I do think you make some very valid points when you're talking about evaluating Jacoby Brissett over a six-game sample size so far here in 2019. Um, but again, it's just odd to me that, that that question was sent in this week. And, I mean, that will be – I almost feel bad for Jacoby Brissett because, like, maybe more so than any other quarterback in the NFL, which I know is not totally true, but more so than a lot of quarterbacks – we are evaluating him so much on a big picture view this season. Yeah. Like, what can he be? And not just like, what is he doing week to week, right, which is, is how you'd evaluate Andrew Luck. Um, but that's just the reality of the situation that the Colts are in. You know, it goes back to, and I will say this so many times over the next six or seven months, Houston and Kansas City in 2017, Joey, they both made the playoffs. They both traded up to draft quarterbacks in the top 15. You know, like, that's what you're going to have to decide. The Colts can make the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett. They then have to decide, is there a quarterback in this draft that you feel like is Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? Because that's what Houston and Kansas City did, right. and they're better off for it. That's, oh, and it's such a hard question, man. I'm just, I'm already dreading January, February. I'm not dreading that, but I am dreading those podcasts because it's such a fun, entertaining gruesome, excruciating debate. I feel like I just sounded like a, a pregnant person. What? You know, like life, delivering life, having a baby, that's fun, That's but it's also oh, excruciating yeah. pain and, sure. you know, things like that. All right. Cool. That was far-fetched. I, no, I, I was, I'm glad you connected the dots, but I got it. You're right. Uh, from I Am The Beast. Okay. okay uh, yeah, they asked cool. about Quentin Nelson, so maybe it is. Big Q under under a facade there. I think we both love Big Q lining up at fullback. It's just fun. Your thoughts? Oh, man, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> how about him, like, tripping and falling in the end zone, kind of, like, stumbling on the route? Did you see that? I, 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 my wife and I were uh, in the car at the time, so I was listening to Matt Taylor and Jim Sorge call it. And Matt Taylor, the the voice, uh, you know, the peak in his voice, voice when, when, when yeah, Big yeah. Q lined up in the <laughs> in the backfield was something. Um, but I didn't, I got to see the replay, obviously. But uh, yeah, that's hilarious. I'm glad Matt Taylor pointed out for you because I don't think um, <laughs> I don't think what's his name Gumble pointed it out on CBS. I'm like, how do you not notice put Nelson in the backfield? Nelson said he has not done that since Pop Warner. Hasn't been in the backfield since then. Yep. I'm thinking, do they not have like a striper thing in 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 New Jersey? Right. Like, for sure. Is Quentin Nelson allowed to be in the backfield? Yeah. He was um, born in a, tri- a three striper. Right. Came out of the womb with that. Frank Reich said there could be more of that. Give me more. 
Give me more. Yep. He was total decoy. Nelson's like, yeah, there's no way that that ball was coming to me. And that was on the Ebron one-handed grab. Last one here from Smokey Black. Ooh. I always hear about how places like Seattle and New Orleans are tough places to play and make it hard for opposing teams. I don't get that same feel from Lucas Oil. What must we do as a fan base to get our house that type of caliber? Is it as simple as more fans buying tickets and making noise? Um, Smokey, it's a really good question. You know, I've been been fortunate to go to a lot of NFL stadiums, and I would say the Colts are definitely on the bottom end of noise for an NFL stadium. I was shocked when they announced 59,000 people in the stadium yesterday, which I think is a season low. That's the biggest home game on the schedule, and 59,000 on a beautiful fall afternoon? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I was just a little, little surprised by that. Um, I mean, it's it, it's everything. You need fans that are willing to be crazy. Uh, you need constant music. I mean, shit. you watch Darius Leonard. That dude jumps up and down to get the crowd up until like four seconds on the play clock every play. I'm like, chill, man. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna wear yourself out out there. Like you haven't played, and he talked about being winded in the fourth quarter. I'm like, man, it's probably because you were doing jumping jacks the first thirty seconds of the play clock. I feel like Lucas Oil brings it for night games. Right. Yeah, but I mean, roof closed night games. I feel like it gets pretty crazy. In yeah, there. but I mean, every stadium should. It just you know the stadiums that I've been at, like Houston. Houston is definitely louder. Really? Than Lucas Oil. Huh. Yeah, it's just, and I and I hate like I know how expensive it is to go to sporting events. I'm not sitting here sitting on some soapbox like that. And I get it. Some fans don't want to be great. I mean, trust me. How many times I've been yelled at at Notre Dame games to sit down? Oh my God, that's the worst. Yeah. And, yeah, and then my brother's like, stand up! You know, he's one of those people that wants everyone else to stand up. I'm like, Ryan, just let, if they want to sit, let them sit. But, yeah, the bones are wired differently like that. Are you going to – no, you probably aren't. I was going to say, you should go to Pittsburgh. I mean, we could do a little video pod the night before. That would be. I, mean, I think Pittsburgh's really rowdy. Yeah. The whole renegade and all uh-huh. that. And, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Arrowhead, certainly. Seattle. Seattle's really loud. Right. Like you said, New Orleans. Yeah. Pretty New wild. Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, what's let's, So, culture in do, first place. Do we place. have time to just get a couple more in here? Or do, or do, do you got to go? Um, Sure. Just, yeah. Let's do it. Daniel Donahue, which Colts running attack is the real one? The one that feasts on a pathetic KC defense or the one yesterday that couldn't even average three yards a carry? Boy. um, That's a good question. And I think that's something that we're going to have to see going forward. You know, just what exactly is this rushing? Can they get it done when teams are loading the box? Um, Robert asked, do you think the Colts can earn the two seed in the playoffs? I would say the one thing that's so different about you look at Baltimore schedule, Joey, Houston schedule, Mm -hmm. they don't play New England. You know, they don't play. Houston's got to play Baltimore. Baltimore has to play Houston. Like the Colts have a very favorable schedule coming up. Take advantage of it. You got a chance to earn a buy. Is that all? That's all. Sorry. Okay. Colts are in first place. They got the Broncos coming in at a flexed one o'clock game on Sunday. What Correct. we got the rest of the week? Um, like I said, Thursday's podcast, we'll touch a little bit more on trade deadline. It's a week from Tuesday. I want to hit on that. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of Zach Pascal on the website. Look a little bit more closely at what the defense has done the last two weeks. Just been tremendous. And uh, we'll be back Thursday morning for another podcast. So. Um, he's Joe Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. If you have any other questions all week long, you know where to find me on Twitter and the DMs. And uh, 
Like always, we appreciate you listening, and uh, please head over to 1075thefan.com for more Colts coverage. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.